Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 7th, 2014. And today we are reading from the big book and we are on page XX, paragraph one. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Mary H., 12 Traditions, Do L., the readers of the text, Marie P., Sally A., and Rachel M. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, October 6, 2014, is 6935, the OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Mary in Connecticut. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for letting me do service. Thank you. I will now ask Du L to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Do Recover Compulsive Overeater, the 12th Traditions. One, 
Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purposes, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facilities or outside enterprises, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. A, Overeaters Anonymous to remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all, our, all of these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book on page XX, paragraph 1. And I will ask Marie P. to begin reading. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being there. Uh, this is Marie P., a recovered compulsive overeater. Another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was administration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press, together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Without such support, AA could have made only the slowest progress. Some of the recommendations of AA's early medical and religious friends will be found further on in this book. Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious organization. Neither does AA take any particular medical point of view, though we cooperate widely with the men of medicine as well as the men of religion. 
Oh, this is a very interesting paragraph. I have some notes here. Recommendations. Medical, spiritual, press, and other advocates brought about the acceptance. Dr. William Silkworth makes a great recommendation in the next chapter. Actually, the whole chapter is a recommendation, ending with, I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and and though perhaps he came to scoff, he will remain to pray, thus proving that Dr. Silkworth believed in the tenets of this book and the movement and had the courage to endorse it. Believe it and endorse it. He was a very prominent medical man in his area at that time, and he was totally committed to AA and said you could trust these men no matter what and and laid his, his reputation on the line for that. And AA <clears throat> remains independent of outside groups, religion, medical, and so forth. But they do cooperate with them. And my experience has been that the medical uh, uh, groups cooperate with AA, too. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Who would like to comment on what was read? This is Do. Hi, Do. Good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, this is do recover compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, it says another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the administration of friends, friends in medicine, religions, and the press. Together, are innumerable who have become our able and persistent advocates. And I look at that word advocate. What is an advocate? Is someone who recommends, who one who supports or defends a cause, one who pleads on our behalf of another. And, and they have done that for us because when they failed um, and they saw that they could not help these alcoholic men and women, um, they really, really saw that this program worked, that this program re- rehabilitated all of these people and gave them a second chance at life. And, and I, always, uh, I always go back to the back of the book um, on page 569, which gives me a little brief synopsis of some of these doctors and some of these um, religious as well as um, people from the press and people from the medicine that advocated for us. And I'd like to take a moment just to review um, a couple of them. It says, Dr. G. Kirby Collier, psychiatrist, he said, in part, any therapeutic or, or philosophic procedure which can prove a recovery rate of 50 to 60% must merit our consideration. And it just helps me to think about like the 75% success rate that we've had in AA, which was astoundingly for them, you know, to see and see that we had a better success rate than anything that they could ever imagine. Um, then there's the um, Dr. Harry M. Tebow, psychiatrist, who said that I now conceive the psychiatrist's job to be the task of breaking down the patient's inner resistance so that inside himself with flower as under the activity of the AA program. 
and he's saying that there is a resistance that's broken down and that, you know, people can recover as long as they have those inner workings of them being challenged. And then um, there is a broadcaster, this is from the press, um, Dr. W. W. Bauer. Um, he said, in the atmosphere of the alcoholic who often overcomes his excessive concentration upon himself, learning to depend upon a higher power and absorb himself in his work with other alcoholics remains sober day by day. The days add up into weeks, the weeks into months and years. And um, I love reading that because it, it really shows me that this program where I couldn't even stay sober or abstinent one day is <laughs> giving me a hope to have days, weeks, months, decades, a lifetime of of recovery, you know, from compulsive overeating. And these are just some of the, the things that um, I just wanted to briefly capture on that because they saw and they advocated for us and they made an impression worldwide for us because AA could have made only the slowest progress if we didn't have these friends. And so um, that's what I see from that, and, and I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Janice. I'm sorry, I heard Janice. I heard somebody just before you, Janice. Barbara and Leah. Oh, Barbara, that's who it was. Okay, then Janice and then Leah. Barbara, do you want to go ahead? Thank, Thank you. you. This is Barbara, recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. I like looking at the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I like the fact that it makes me look at my own history with Overeaters Anonymous and religion and medicine because I feel kind of like Dr. Bob in that I, I pursued the religious path, the spiritual path, but without that missing link of the medical aspect of the disease concept that he needed, that's what I needed too. And people well-meaning, doctors, therapists, you know, wanting to help really didn't have the information either. They didn't know about a 12-step path or a 12-step way. So that was just not working and limited. And with pursuing, you know, religious um, cures, I, which I did very seriously, uh, that didn't do it. I needed that combination. And so very mindful of my gratefulness for getting it and hearing it. Uh, I'm very conscientious about carrying the message to my own doctors and to my own clergy people, uh, so that they will be able to then affect other people as um, as the early years of Alcoholics Anonymous was affected very, very profoundly by people of religion and medicine. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. Janice M. Yes, thank you, Melanie, for your service. This is Janice M. Grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, another reason. Another reason. Well, what is the, what were the first two reasons that this was so widely accepted? We have to look back at that uh, previous half paragraph. The first, because people, alcoholics, were recovered. You know, they they saw this, they witnessed it, they observed it, they observed that alcoholics were getting recovered and families were reunited. That was the two reasons, and this was the third reason that there was wide acceptance. And these people weren't even alcoholics. <laughs> they, were, they were the friends. They were from the medical, as, as was read. And they were supporting 
imagine they were supporting and endorsing AA. Um, they approved of what was being done because they could witness it. They could see the transformations. That's that was the attraction uh, of this whole society. And, we, and and if you if you've studied the traditions, this is how the tradition started. See, the friends of medicine, religion, and press uh, supported supported this group, and and it showed how we cooperated with them, and but we didn't affiliate with them. Um, we were, um, you know, we're not partners in religion. There's no connection. We don't join, you know, we join on our own, but the, as a group, we don't affiliate with any of these. And this is, was the wide acceptance because, like I said, alcoholics were locked up before. Now the, the friends, imagine having friends support you from those three groups. That's pretty um, pretty awesome, you know. All right, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Leah? Thanks, Mel, for your service. This is Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, another reason for the wide acceptance of AA was the administration of friends, friends in medicine, religion, and the press, together with innumerable others who became our able and persistent advocates. Uh, and this is really <laughs> exciting to me, uh, not only to review AA's history, which is always uh, exciting to see the hand of God uh, through this whole thing, but uh, because, you know, I was privileged to witness this, to watch this same uh, possibility and opportunity come to life. You know, um, I've spoken much about a community in Minneapolis that uh, I was privileged to be a part of, and, you know, the the recoveries, many of which you've heard on this line, were so dramatic. And, you know, that room, that meeting was an open meeting, so it was open to everyone. So, uh, you know, spouses would come and parents would come uh, to these meetings, family members. But also, you know, because because the recovery was so dramatic and because a lot of people, a lot of compulsive overeaters have, uh, you know, serious medical consequences as a result of compulsive overeating, um, you know, it wasn't uh, uncommon for us to have a cardiologist sitting in the room uh, there to support and to, to witness uh, his uh, patient in that room. We had nephrologists, we had uh, endocrinologists, you know, uh, men and women in the field of medicine uh, who acknowledged their inadequacy and limitations of their field, and now their diabetic patients were able to let go of those medications. They no longer had to jab their vein with a syringe in order to attend to the diabetic uh, consequences of the disease because now they were recovered. The obsession of the mind was driven out. They were restored to sanity, and their bodies were healing. We had psychiatrists. We had psychiatrists. You know, it says in the back here, the medical view on AA, it says, we observe a profound change in personality. You would hardly recognize them, it says in the medical view in the back of the book. And that's, you know, why these psychiatrists and these therapists would come to see what is going on in this room. How are these people changing? Yes, their bodies are changing, but also they wait, the way they live 
is changing. Their attitudes and their outlooks on life are changing. They, they, these men and women that were recovered were results of a living, and they were living proof that some power greater than themselves was restoring them to sanity. And so these men and women, these cardiologists, endocrinologists, nephrologists, you know, nutritionists, therapists, I met them myself. I greeted them at the door. Clergy came to see what is going on, just like our AA history. You know, the, this, this history, they were not, uh, the AAers were not paying or siding with anyone. They weren't affiliating with anyone. These men and women of science and religion were attracted to what was happening. And what was happening? What was happening was recovery. That's what was happening, recovery. And because these, uh, you know, people were so, uh, you know, examples of recovery, uh, living proof, uh, you know, newspapers came to write about what was going on in the room. And so, uh, you know, the Star Tribune had uh, numerous articles on what was going on in Overeaters Anonymous. Can you believe it? Overeaters Anonymous. People were attracted to the recovery, like a bright light, like an energy that you could not uh, argue with. So I just want to give everybody a message, a hope and possibility that this too can happen uh, in Overeaters Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Larry. Hi, good morning, Larry. Hi, and Suji. Larry first, and Suji. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Mel. <clears throat> Larry, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. <clears throat> Thank you for your service. Um, you know that it's it's really true. Um, you know the medical community. You know one one thing is within the medical community. You know we look for for you know evidence based results, and you know we we follow uh, you, you know kind of a, a medical model, looking for methodologies. You know that uh, we we want valid research you know we want we want uh those those types of things to support this and 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 I understand that, and that served us really well. The thing is it's undeniable what's happened to me, and maybe that's anecdotal. you know we hear this person that person. look when I go to the doctor i mean i I associate with doctors, but I also go to the doctor like anybody else, and when I go to the doctor and I'm a hundred pounds less. Okay, well, that's physical packaging stuff, and that's that's good. You know, people lose weight. You know, when I when the doctor sees you know and says it, I mean, it's a miracle. <laughs> and the doctor said because I was I was uh, you know pre-diabetic. I was on statin drugs. I was on uh, blood pressure medication. All all gone, done. You know, and and high blood pressure, and now my blood pressure naturally is is probably on the low side. You know, all these things, cholesterol in the three hundred range for decades, and and now my cholesterol is at a, at a normal range, below normal range. You know, so these these are this this is the evidence that a doctor sees. You know, and and when I say now that's that's the least of it. Now, to some people, you'd say, well, that's, my goodness, that's, that's miraculous in and of itself. But really, you know, the fact that I can stay stopped, okay, that's part of it. But how about the fact that I'm a different man? 
you know, that I can live congruent, that when I look you in the eye, you know, what am I doing for the 23 or so hours other than the four hours I sleep or whatever it is? What am I doing the rest of my day? You know, am I, am I, am I living an integrity-based life? And I would tell you without a smirk, I'm, yes, I'm trying. Do I live a perfect life? No, I'm a human being. Of course not. But I do live, I'm, uh, God has allowed me to live, uh, you know, to be a good father, you know, to be a good, uh, a good partner, to be um, a good worker. You know, that's the evidence. And so, sure, the medical community takes notice of things like that. And, you know, even um, I'll just close by saying I was, I was looking, there's a, in the Harvard Gazette, uh, you know, Harvard University, there was a study uh, that was um, uh, sponsored by the Massachusetts uh, General Hospital Center for Addiction Medicine. And they're looking at, you know, essentially what makes AA work? You know, they want to get down to the, you know, to the evidence that makes it work. All I know is I had a spiritual awakening sufficient to, the rest, to arrest this disease. I can't prove it tangibly, but people see it. They see it. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Sue G. Suji, you want to press star one? Uh, can I be heard now? Yes. Good. Okay. It's Suji. Hello to everybody. Um, well, I, I can speak for my part of the medical community. I just paid a visit with my husband to his doctor, and it was a spiritual experience. Not because the doctor was sitting there and praying, but because we trusted him. And I'm thinking about this, what we just read, that I don't see this at all as Dr. Silkworth failed and had to hand over the mantle. Dr. Silkworth recognized that something more needed to be done. He wasn't a failure. He was helping alcoholics. But he he recognized something else had to be added to the formula, and what a good idea. Pray and meditate a little and tell the people to help themselves. Why, isn't that what we try to do with our children? We can't control them. We try to give them information so they can move on and make their own lives, and that's exactly what the medical community and the religious community and the public relations community and the magazine and and radio community did for, for AA, they, they released the information so it could be, be moving forward. And, and I think of our, our visit to the doctor, that, that my husband had this dream before we went that he and I were hosting something. And, and I thought about that. I prayed and meditated about it. I decided, yeah, you know what? We're, we're hosting a visit with an uninvited guest named Mr. Lymphoma. And that that what are we going to do with this? Well, we went to the expert. We said, okay, uh, we're having this dinner with Mr. Lymphoma. Uh, Dr. Tester, would you like to come along? And maybe you can bring your ray gun. Uh, and he says, okay, here's the next thing we do. We do blah, 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 blah. I examine you. I look at the MRI. And now we're going to do a biopsy. And here's how to schedule it. That's the cooperation 
that's what we have in our fellowship of OA. We have cooperation with these things. We're we're not, um, you know, affiliating, joining, blah blah blah. But but we have cooperation. If I if my husband and I go as we are members of the medical community, let's discuss lymphoma. We're not going to get anywhere. But if we go as human beings asking the doctor for help. We can be just like any other OA member who does the same thing, and that—that's the strength of these fellowships. We're not—we're not the only cure. We're not alone in this. We're—we're we're in a world that has many people that suffer from our illness, and we have a particular solution that works for us. Yay! So keep coming back. It works if you work it, and you're worth it. So work it. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank Hi, you. my name is Charles. I eat too much. Can I drop down on this? You betcha. Good morning, Charles. Hi, good morning, um, all visionaries. And uh, good morning. My name is Charles. I eat too much. I'm a grateful, recovered, uh, compulsive overeating. I just want to drill down right quick um, on this good money right here. This is good money. Another reason for the wide acceptance of AA, you know, friends in medicine, religion, and the press. You know, how ingenious... Um, how ingenious of AA to to say they're not affiliated, but to sop up the good stuff that could come from, you know, it's so funny. Like, I, you know, as many have said already, I actually went to my doctor yesterday, and I, you know, and, <laughs> and I actually was in the doctor's opinion, and she was taking notes. And it was just unbelievable. It was like, it was like we were working in conjunction together. You know, and the big book was right there in the middle of both of us. It was unbelievable. Um, and it, it was support because she was so, like, into it. Like, you know, I have, you know, other patients that could probably benefit from this, like thousands of others. And, you know, it's about support. And it's about recommendations. And I'm so glad. And, you know, in, two, in, in less than in, in two and a half pages, we're going to get to the doctor's opinion. And the doctor, my doctor, was taking notes from the doctor's opinion. So it's just unbelievable that we can all get together and, 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 you know, and not exclude anybody because of religion or whatever. You could be whoever you are and recover. If you buy into this program, you know, that, that's, the, that's, that's the hitch right there. I need to buy into this program. You know, I, I was I was suggesting to my sponsees, you know, comb comb this book before Bill's story. I mean, comb it, comb it. Get on the visionary, you know. Please, comb it, comb the, the prefaces, comb the all, all four forwards, and comb the doctor's opinion, and holler at me when you 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 find out what it is that you know what it is, one day at a time. What it is is the big book is the solution, the prescription that I need to completely fill one day at a time. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you. Uh, Carolyn? Getting ready. <laughs> Hi, Carolyn. Just getting ready to move on. And so it looks like, Carolyn, you would like to share before we do so. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, this is Carolyn from New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And... Um, I loved hearing earlier about the uh, the group in I think it was Minneapolis who um, you know the open meeting where all these doctors came and were really absorbing the message. Um, 
I wish I had seen that in our area. I never have. I mean, we're in the greater New York metropolitan area. We have a lot of open meetings. I've really never seen an outsider come, unless it was a relative occasionally of somebody in the rooms. And I've always wondered about this, you know, um, we, we, uh, oh gosh, what's the word? Um, You know, that we don't promote ourselves, essentially. And um, the problem that I see there is that I don't think the word is getting out enough, you know, and I don't know if in part that's because we don't have the widespread recovery numbers that alcoholics did or it's still not recognized in the greater community as an illness versus, you know, a character flaw, overeating. Um, But looking at the numbers of Americans um, who are, you know, overweight or or getting obesely overweight over the last 10, 20, you know, and and projected now by the government into, you know, the next uh, 10 and 20 years, um, the numbers are astounding. And and the amount of money that that is being spent and the amount of suffering that's happening as a result of these weight-related illnesses you would think that, like, the society would be ripe to hear our message. And I don't know if, if, you know, if we should be going out there and somehow spreading it. I mean, how do we get people to um, sit up and take notice, to see that there is something beyond dieting? I mean, you think about all the billions of dollars spent advertising diets and exercise plans and, you know, weight loss pills, and yet I don't see us out on, you know, the airwaves saying this is another solution. Um, you know, come here, give us a chance, um, you know, this can work. Um, and it's an alternative to all that, that stuff that, um, that's being marketed at us, but that, that doesn't work. Um, so I, I don't know where I'm going with this exactly. I, I would love to find a way to do what was mentioned earlier and get more medical professionals involved. Uh, thank you. And th- with that, I pass. Thank Any you, Carolyn. Thank you. Oh, hi, Anita. Yep, you can do that for us. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is Anita L., recovered from Philadelphia. Uh, I just wanted to share that in our Saturday meeting, there have been several nursing students that have sat in on the meeting and, uh, you know, gotten the step information, because it's a step meeting uh, from from the group and... You know, so the medical profession here in Philadelphia must recognize the fact that this is something good that that the upcoming professionals need to hear about. So I wanted to share about that. And then the other thing, I'm going to share something pretty private, even though I'm telling now 200 and so people. But uh, I... Four years ago, I was not in very good emotional shape, and um, I went to the head of one of the psych units um, in a big Philadelphia hospital here. He's the head of the the department, and uh, he put me on anxiety and depression medication, and when I saw him in August, I said to him, I think I don't need to be on anything anymore. I just feel so happy, joyous, and free all the time. And he agreed that I can go off some of my medication. And so starting today is the first day I will no longer be taking anxiety medication. And shortly uh 
in the near future, I'm going. I take two different types of depression medication, and I'm going to be going off one of them because I don't need it. I I never feel depressed anymore, and I look at life more than full. You know, where the glass is is either half full or or half empty. I look at it full, totally full today because life is so good only because of surrendering my binge foods, my will, my life over to the care of my higher power and being willing to do the work. I work the 12 steps and now I give service because my primary purpose is to be of maximum service to others. And that's a real transformation for me. I, you know, I used to do that before. However, now every day, because I learned from experience too many times, I stopped uh, with the spiritual aspect of my program to the extent that I was doing it when I first became uh, in the solution. So anyway, I will stop with that. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. And uh, we'll move on now. Sally, would you pick us up at paragraph 3 on page XX and take us to the end? Yes, Melanie. Good morning, Thank a vision you. for you. This is Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. Alcohol being no respecter of persons. We are an accurate cross-section of America and in distant lands, the same democratic evening Evening up process is now going on. By personal religious affiliation, we include Catholics, Protestants, Jews, Hindus, and a sprinkling of Muslims and Buddhists. More than 15% of us are women. At present, our membership is pyramiding at the rate of about 20% a year. So far, upon the total problem of several million actual and potential alcoholics in the world, we have made only a scratch. In all probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the alcoholic problem in all its ramifications. Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Yet, it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. And I want to just speak to these last few sentences. Of course, much has been said. It's a very rich couple of paragraphs. But I want to speak to the fact that there are many, many millions of people struggling with obesity and just as many probably who are not obese, but struggling with an eating disorder because we know that thin is not well. So just the fact that we can walk into a restaurant and see a lot of very heavy people does not paint the full picture. The full picture is that many people are struggling with eating disorders and obesity. And it goes on to tell us here that um, I, I really relate to this. I feel that very much OA is like this, that there are many potential overeaters, anonymous members in the world, that we've only scratched the surface. 
goes on to say, in probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction. And, it, and then it says that we're not, we don't have the, the, the entire monopoly. But here's the best part, because this is what I really identify in with. It is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer. You see, I had been, I'd done the Dexatrim diet with the, with the pills. I'd done the Weight Watchers two times. I'd done the Jenny Craig. I'd done the Cabbage Soup Diet. I'd done the Atkins Diet. I was looking at my library in my office yesterday, and I was marveling at all the books. I have two shelves of books on the subject of eating over hunger, you know, eating all, all kinds of interesting titles, and books about sugar and books about behavioral adaptations and all on the subject of eating. So, yeah, we've got no monopoly. But here's the interesting thing. I was in OA when I was 22 years old, and for 29 years in OA, I knew down deep in my heart that OA was the last house on the block, but in the last 10 or 11 years in OA, I was gaining weight faster on the days that I was binging than I could lose on, on, my, on my abstinent uh, program. I might lose a pound in two days, uh, in two months rather, or, or two pounds in two months, or a pound a month, but I would gain five to seven pounds in one weekend of binging. And so consequently, in OA, I was gaining, literally gained 110 pounds in the course of about 13 years. 13 years, 110 pounds in OA. So what's wrong with that picture? What's wrong with the picture is that I didn't understand this sentence. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer, that would be me, may begin to find one in the pages of this book. There it is. It's not just taking yourself to, to an OA meeting as I thought. I thought it was that I was getting brain flushed. Somehow I was being brain flushed and somehow miraculously those 10-step promises on 83 and 84 were just going to magically into my life and I was going to be healed somehow. I didn't know how, but I figured, well, just keep coming back. It works. Just keep coming back. It works. That's what they said. So I'll keep coming back. It works. And I knew nothing else worked. At least I had, you know, periods of white-knuckling abstinence. I had that to, to cling to and hope for. But then I found out about two and a half years ago about the pages of this book. And it goes on to say, and not just that, but and will presently join us. So let me read it again. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer, if you haven't come to any solution, guess what? In this book is a solution for those who are like me, the real compulsive overeaters that nothing else will touch may begin to find one in the pages of this book and answer in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. That, that is so precious. We see that expression on the bottom of page 55. They use the word, the broad highway. Well, and then also, of course, on page 164, as you trudge the road to happy destiny. And it is a happy destiny. It is a happy road. And it is, most importantly, a high road to a new freedom. That's what I'm living today, a very high road as I work these steps and apply them in my life, and certainly a road to new freedom.
Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you. Would anyone like to share on what was read? Yeah, I hear Sarah, and I heard a couple of others. Hannah. Kim. Hannah. Kim. Katie F. Katie F. Did I get everybody? Thank you. We'll start with Sarah W. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision, to you. My name is Sarah W. Grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Very grateful to be here sober today and in my right mind and fully clothed because <laughs> there have been moments. Um, I was thinking about when they were talking about, um, you know, it being no respecter of persons. We are an accurate cross-section of America. You know, so many on the line, when I got on, I think this morning, there were about 190 people on. And I was thinking about um, in our in our program, you know, as it says in the book, you know, we're people that wouldn't normally mix. And that, you know, here I am, a 58-year-old woman, um, raised Jewishly, um, moderate income. We have all different kinds of people. You know, what our educational background, it makes no difference. Where we've come from as far as socioeconomic or um, intellect or, um, you know, emotional stability or just everything. You know, it's just such a huge amounts of variance, but the one thing that joins us all together is the affliction. You know, we've all come in here because, you know, obviously we have some kind of a problem with food. Um, And then, you know, what I found was that I had a problem with living. And, um, you know, the part that Sally focused on is, of course, the the beauty of the whole thing. Uh, When I came into... um, program this last time, you know, they had diagnosed me with COPD. I was um, 278 pounds. Uh, I couldn't even lay down flat to breathe and breathe properly. I had to be propped up. Uh, I was on um, numerous inhalers and also on uh, blood pressure medication, all of which, since I've released the weight, and I'm about 169 pounds now, so I would like to lose a little bit more if, God, if it's God's plan. But, um, you know, all of which I'm no longer on. I'm not on any blood pressure medications. I'm not on any um, inhalers. I, you know, I, I, I practice yoga. I try to do exercise. And I guess the thought is I don't want to stick on the weight issue, but it is the reason why so many of us walk in the room. So I think it's important to to identify that. But I think the greatest gift that I've received, other than the weight loss through working the steps, is that I finally found my way back to having some sense of peace about myself. I like who I am today. I have relationships with the people that I live with. You know, I don't take people hostages anymore. And that I'm also able to have this beautiful relationship with a higher power. What a gift it is that we have it. And I love the part where it says, presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. And I hope that what I've conveyed this morning, especially to newcomers, is that there is a freedom that we can have from the food obsession and from the fact that, you know, our life is unmanageable. We find finally a solution to the problems that we have. But we need to do the work and take the actions. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Hannah. 
Morning. SR1, Hana? Oh, there yeah. you are. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Hana, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, thank you for your service. I'm I'm glad to be here and glad there's a meeting. Um, whenever I read this alcohol being no respecter of persons, you know, and this program is is big enough for people with different other opinions, religious and political and et cetera, um, to, to come together when we leave out those other issues. And I, you know, I'm struck again by how the traditions are just, this is just saturated in the traditions. The traditions are being expressed here. Um, I was struck by what this says, in all probability, probability, we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the, let's say, eating problem in all its ramifications. And I, I think we have to take that seriously, that, that they were not under the delusion that um, everyone who has a problem with alcohol would recognize this book as an answer to their alcohol problem or even want this book as an answer to their alcohol problem. Um, and, 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 it, and they go on to say, upon therapy for the, for, the, for the compulsive eater herself, we surely have no monopoly. I think we have to take that seriously and say, I can say I have found a solution that works for me for my eating disorder. Um, and and I can hope that other compulsive eaters who have found no answer anywhere else may find one in the pages of this book, but just, you know, listen to the meeting, to this meeting today, listening in, in other meetings I go to, um, how many people sitting in any particular meeting, well, this meeting is focused on this book, so... That's it, it, we're looking to this book as a solution, and yet how many people in OA exposed to this book don't have recovery? You know, I'm not sure we have the kind of track record yet that Alcoholics Anonymous had. I'm, I'm, I'm going back a little bit to the, to the, the previous paragraphs in that. But but I really do think that humility asks us to take seriously this fact that we shall never be able to touch more than a fair fraction of the eating problem in all its ramifications. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Hannah. Kim G. Melanie, did you call on Kim? I, I, I did. I did. Hi. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to pick up on those last couple lines. Upon therapy for the alcoholic himself, we surely have no monopoly. Yet it is our great hope that all those who have yet, as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. So this idea that we don't have a monopoly, I mean, I, we hear the statistics in the United States, two-thirds of Americans are obese. 
I don't believe that two-thirds of Americans are compulsive overeaters. There's a lot of different factors. I mean, poverty is a big factor of why people are obese because they can't afford healthy food. So we have no monopoly. You know, dieting works. You know, reducing calories, moderate exercises work. Not everyone needs this program. And I like the idea of comparing acute versus chronic. An acute illness is something that is, that is extreme and temporary and chronic is ongoing. So if you have a weight problem and when the food is taken away, when you stop eating those foods, your life gets better, then you may not need Overeaters Anonymous. A food plan, maybe some group support might be enough for you. You know, I know a lot of people that they get a diagnosis of diabetes and they simply stop eating those foods their doctor tells them. That is not someone that needs a 12-step program. And we should encourage people to, to try those avenues that work for them. But the chronic alcoholic, the someone who has the, the same disease that I do, who is allergy to the body, and once I don't have those foods, I get worse. The consequences of accident for me is I get restless, I get irritable, and I get discontent, and I'm, I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. And my mind convinces me the only thing that will make me feel comfortable is the food, and unfortunately I have this allergy to the food. That is what Overeaters Anonymous is for. And I think to myself, I have a very good friend in AA that we kind of um, vibe off each other because I, am, I was a hard drinker. I could tell a good AA story from my 20s, but at 27, something happened. I made a decision not to drink again, and I never drank again. I have a friend in AA that she's been through five rehabs for bulimia. Once she stopped drinking and doing drugs, the food came in order. She never needed to work the steps in LA. She's an AA person, and when she tells her story and mentions the bulimia and someone comes to her about the food, she refers them to me. If I'm telling my story and I talk about my drinking and someone comes to me about the drink and I refer them to her. We have no monopoly. That's so important for us to know that. And this idea that, you know, that this new freedom. Let me tell you, abstinence never gave me freedom. I used to say I'm one bite away, I'm one bite away, I'm one bite away. Because why was that? Because I was living in restless, irritable, and discontentment. I was living under the siege of this, of this obsession of the mind and I was terrified in abstinence. What is the freedom I feel today? I no longer have the obsession of the mind. I don't believe I'm one fight away. What I believe today for me is I'm a few thoughts away. I'm a few thoughts away. Because when I live in 10, 11, and 12, God removes the obsession. If I choose not to live this way of life, the obsession will come back, those thoughts will come back, and I'm going to pick up. So today I fully concede to my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater. And because of these steps, today I do not suffer from compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And in the interest of time, Katie has um, offered to step back for now, and so we will move to close the meeting. Thank you so much, Katie. And thank you to everyone who shared today. With closing, we will read the in the big book on page 164, The Serenity Prayer. And I will ask Rachel M. to please do that for us. Good morning. This is Rachel M. Recovered today. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something 
you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.